from the Caltech Studios, it's Arms Room Radio with Mike and his team from the Arms Room. Conceal and carry, gun safety, the law, the latest gear, and more. You'll get it all right here. And you can connect with these guys right now. Call the Arms Room Radio hotline, 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Arms Room Radio is on the air live coast to coast from the Caltech Studios. Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. Thank you. We promise to bring you all things gun, all the gun time. How is everybody doing today? Doing all right. Doing good? Doing great? Everybody's doing all right? Yeah. I can tell you, uh, the the traffic coming in here today was uh, ridiculous. It, it's <laughs> I, the first... I, did, I did send a text warning everyone. You did. You did. It's the first rain near us in, uh, oh, a couple of weeks, two weeks, three weeks, so... Everybody's lost their friggin' minds. They don't know how to drive anymore. There's overturned vehicles in parking lots. It's just, it's mass hysteria out there. Cats and dogs living together. They don't know. Mass hysteria. They don't, they don't know what's going on out there. Um, hey, you know what? Before I introduce the guy on my right, we, we need to make a phone call because uh, he's not here. So, so he's not on your right. He's not on my right. He's figuratively, but he's, not literally. He's more on my left, about 17 miles from here. He's a little bit, little bit more on my left. So uh, you can put him on the air, Nick. We can uh, hear, hear it ring. That's fine. We're gonna we're gonna listen. Yeah, then in. nobody answers. You're we're, we're gonna listen in. Arms room. Hello, arms room. I'm trying to find out what kind of ammo I should use in my 380 carry gun. Uh, let's start off with 380. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. On my right, the right hand man, the great 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 grandson of Daniel Boone. Please welcome him back. His name is Earl. If he was really a boss, he would have told you three oh. Well, he did tell you three oh. <laughs> uh, Earl, uh, you're 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 not in the studio today. No, I'm not. One of the one of the hazards of being the boss is uh, having to sweep the floor and run the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's there. How's how's business out there? Everything going okay out the arms room? Yeah, doing good. All right, doing not real too good. Not too bad. You wanna. Do you want to say hello to anybody? Anything we need to keep up on? We'll give you a call later in the show, but we just want to make sure you're okay today. Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. I think we're caught up on our birthdays, so. Nice. Nice, yeah, yes. You know, yes, we are. The boss keeps track of those, so. I try. I try to keep uh, birthdays. I think he's talking about himself. Within uh, <laughs> within two to three weeks. Uh, talking about him. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Not you. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, your, well, bo- your bossy, he is the boss. <laughs> well, uh. Earl, thank you for the uh, thank you for the guest spot on the program. Uh, we'll let you get back to work there. We call that a okay. T- Have a good one. There it goes. There it goes. Everybody, say thank you, Bye, Fred. So we'll get with Earl later on in the program. That was Earl. I got uh, you know, bothering him up there at the at the old uh, arms room. But on my left, in the ten o'clock position, is the courtroom assassin, the legal ninja. Please welcome him back, Mr. Kevin Maxwell. Thank you, Michael. Let's let that one play a few seconds. It's a good one. <laughs> Jerry Orbach, I have to say, is probably the best actor on all of Law and Order. The whole series, everybody. You're you're not going with Ice T? No, no, no. That's the you know. All right, that's uh, that's SVU, right? Special victims. Um, I'm still going to go with Jerry Orbach because nobody puts baby in a corner. Uh, on my right, <laughs> in the uh, one o'clock position, is the samurai sidekick, the pedo and learner. Please welcome him back, Mr. Alec Weber. Thanks for having me back. I think 
No, we're good. Oh, okay. we're good. Everything is good. Uh, unless you got you got bad news. Something going on? We're getting sued again. You didn't write a contract. Listen, they put some papers in front of me. <laughs> they, they they said, uh, "Don't worry, we're friends. Shake here, sign here," and, and we took care of it. Business is business, you know. That's right. Uh, anything uh, anything news going on? Anything new going on in the world of? Law, any good stories? Anything you could change the names of the innocent to protect? And he has learned that he really, really, really loves federal court. <laughs> federal court? <laughs> That's the one where you have to wear the wig, right? That's right. Okay. That's, yeah. 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 And, and I wear a fake beard and sunglasses, too. <laughs> at the rate that the things have been going in some of the cases. Yeah. Uh, and why do you love federal court? Because it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, and thanks, the judiciary. thanks for stretching time. You know? we, 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 he is afforded himself the opportunity to find out what it's like to advocate for a client in spite of the fact that everyone, including the court, was like, what are you doing? No, no, this is what I'm going to do for my client. Right. Well, I don't want you to. Tough. Mm. Tough doo doo. With all due respect. Right. Uh, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so... It was a good experience. A learning experience. Was it good for the client? Was it good for Max? Yeah, we'll, we'll find well, out next week if it's okay. good for the client. It's getting better for the client. Stay yeah, tuned. It's getting better for Stay the client. Stay tuned. More updates to come. Mm-hmm. More updates to follow. Uh, so you guys have been following the news this week? Seeing that, well, since you know, there's limited law news. Um, following the news this week, we've got a bunch of good stuff we're going to be talking about later in, uh, later in the program. Uh, I know... Uh, oh, there's some interesting law news, but it's just not... We're not... Personally oh yeah, it wasn't, wasn't it. you guys? Yeah, you were not named in the in the uh, in the yeah, proceedings. So, yeah. In some of these, thank God. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will be talking to Lieutenant Bill, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of Arms Room Radio, later in the program uh, to get his uh, insight on some more happenings in the law enforcement world. Uh, you know, we may get one or two other guests uh, if they if they if they pop in, show in, uh, show up. Uh, if not, I think uh, I think we can handle that. We got we, this. We, could, we can we could take the helm now. We're going to need computer assistance while Earl is gone. So, Alec, you're going to have to not be reading Doonesbury or whatever it is you're doing over there during the program. Uh, we'll actually have to do some arms room work. Doonesbury. Do- so. He is. Look, he's Do- got. Uh, he's Doonesbury. What? <laughs> he doesn't even or, know what that means. Okay. Um, it's a comic. Charlie Brown. Yeah, that'll better, work. Better, better, better maybe, reference. Yeah, okay. Better reference. Okay. Uh, uh, you might want to try it. Stop playing Halo. That oh, yeah, Halo. So, so, probably but, more accurate to the. Stop genre. playing the Halo. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, Speaking of Halo, we're, there's, a, there's, a, there's a story out of the Army dealing with some firearms. So guess what we're going to be talking about today? The Army and firearms. Huh? Halos? Did I give you too many hints there? Newsflash. Some information coming to us out of New York. New York City with some police. And I believe that's the story that Lieutenant Bill is going to be talking with us about. So that should be a good one. Great, great news going on around the country again. You know, we keep seeing all of the states and their legislatures and governors promoting gun rights and we getting things like concealed carry and constitutional carry and open carry and uh we're going to be talking to you about a couple of states that have made some new new updates we have uh we have a this could be an interesting one kevin i bring you guys up with and it's a little close to home so we're gonna uh we're not going to involve names in it um but there's a, a judge and a and the sheriff's office who are in a dispute over who controls the security in the building so we'll we'll talk about that and what you know how how you perceive judges' authority as opposed to the law enforcement authority. I want to get some feel from you guys because I know you've you've uh, you've wandered the same halls of the of this courtroom before, uh, not necessarily that judge but that facility. Uh, so we're we're going to talk about that. But we're all going to speak in the hypothetical. Uh, well, yeah, listen, I I've got uh, you know I don't I don't have to appear in front of them, so I'll I'll 
I'll go a little more in hypothetical, but you guys can give me give me hypothetical. I, I wasn't in the room, so I can't speak from firsthand experience as to what happened. Uh, okay. Well, and that's I haven't what we're read talk about. the entire transcript. Yep. And then when we get uh, we get back from the the initial break here, uh, we're going to be talking to Mr. Mark Walters from Armed American Radio and Armed American Radio's Daily Defense Hour. We're going to be talking with him about uh, our president's new appointment, or excuse me, his uh, selection to go before nomination for nomination for, for, for judge. Yes. So we'll have Mark when we get back with this. You're listening to Arms Room Radio coming to you live from the Keltech Studios. We'll see you after the break. This is no ordinary shotgun. Not with innovative dual-tube magazines that hold a dozen 12-gauge rounds. Plus one in the chamber. And in the one millionth of a second, when innovation ignites performance, the ordinary tactical shotgun became obsolete. Innovation. Performance. Keltec. See the KSG in action at YouTube slash Keltec Weapons. Hey, how was your weekend? Great. I went to the range and I went shooting. Oh, man. I wish I could shoot as much as you. But, you know, I can't find a reliable ammo source that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. You should try. SendMeAmmo.com Um, what was that? You mean... SendMeAmmo.com Yeah, yeah, I mean that. What was that? Those are my friends from... SendMeAmmo.com Just go to their website, www.SendMeAmmo.com And sign up to get your ammo. You can make a one-time purchase, or you could sign up for monthly ammo delivery like I get. What calibers do they have at SendMeAmmo.com You can get 223, 380, 9mm, 40 cal, and 45 at SendMeAmmo.com It's guaranteed ammo monthly. So I can get range and defense ammo? Yes, you can. So sign up now at SendMeAmmo.com It's guaranteed ammo monthly. Uh, do these guys follow you around all day? Yeah, it's great in the carpool lane, but it's no fun in the bathroom. Sign up now at SendMeAmmo.com and use code ARMSROOM for 10% off your first monthly order. That's send me ammo.com this is no ordinary shotgun not with innovative dual tube magazines that hold a dozen 12 gauge rounds plus one in the chamber and in the one millionth of a second when innovation ignites performance the ordinary tactical shotgun became obsolete innovation performance keltech see the ksg in action at youtube slash keltech weapons Ever want to accessorize your tactical rifle? Then you want the tactical excellence of GunTech USA. GunTech, a family-owned and operated manufacturer of tactical accessories for AR-15, AR-10, and AK-47 style rifles. For nearly three decades, GunTech USA has been producing the finest quality pistol grips, rail systems, scope mounts, slings, compensators, flash hiders, hand guards, iron sights, and more. Check online at GunTechUSA.com to see their vast selection of parts and accessories and to locate a dealer near you. Whether you do your own gunsmithing or you have it done, when customizing your tactical rifle, insist on tactical excellence. Insist on GunTech USA parts. GunTech, a proud supporter of the Second Amendment and friends of Arms Room Radio. Check them out online today at GunTechUSA.com. That's G-U-N-T-E-C-U-S-A.com. GunTech USA, defining tactical excellence for over 26 years.
listening to Armstrong Radio, live from the Keltec Studios. Call the Armstrong Hotline right now, 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Now, more Armstrong Radio, live coast to coast, with Mike and the guys in the Keltec Studios. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. Hey, uh, this past week, uh, if you may have noticed, if you were paying attention to the news, the, your president, uh, we, we, we love him, Commander-in-Chief President Barack Obama, nominated Judge Merrick Garland to replace the late Justice Antonin Scalia on the Supreme Court. You guys done any research on this guy yet? Have you seen everything that's going on there in the news? This is, uh, this is pretty, pretty narrow-minded uh, on, on, on the opposite side of the fence. This is... Uh, liberal ideology from day one uh hey joining us on the radio today on the on the program here is mr mark walters from armed american radio uh he's gonna be giving us a little bit of his insight here mark are you with us my homeboys how are you we're good hey, sir we're good hey hey i'm in my car so i just want to let you know i hope my audio is okay sounds good sounds good sir we're all right mark, mark what's such going on technician such a technician Right, what, not okay. what, I'm sorry, what? That, that's all right. What, what is it? Merrick Garland. What do you think of Merrick Garland in this nomination? Not even, we shouldn't even be wasting our breath talking about him. He's not even going to get a hearing. You think? Is that what's going to happen here? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I, listen, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, one quick thing about Merrick Garland. I'll, I'll give you one thing that's that really the only thing you need to know. Merrick Garland, while on the D.C. Circuit, on the D.C. Circuit, was the uh, one of four judges that voted to rehear the Heller case locally before it became the Heller case at the Supreme Court, which indicates to us that Merrick Garland wanted to revisit it because he didn't agree with the Heller, the original three-judge panel, so he voted to hear it and bonk, which, as Kevin knows, means the full panel. Uh, the fact of the matter is, at this stage of the game, and I, what bothers me more than anything, because I don't give, the, I don't give uh, Mitch McConnell and the rest of them the benefit of the doubt anymore. We know what we've gotten from them right. over the last few years. Hence why we have rise to, and, and to uh, Donald Trump and so forth and the crushing defeat coming up of the establishment base of the Republicans and the Democrats, quite frankly. Right. But um, uh, he shouldn't have even spoken to him. And it, I, I don't know why they're even talking to him, whether it's just a, hi, how you doing? It's a power thing. Uh, you've been nominated. I mean, the fact of the matter is he shouldn't, he's not going to get a hearing. It's a waste of breath and a waste of time, quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, to even talk about it. But, of course, people need to know what Barack Obama's nominated. There's nothing centrist about this. This guy would vote to take away your Second Amendment as fast as Barack Obama did. That's why Barack Obama nominated him. That's all you need to know. That's true. Exactly right. Now, are you are you confident that the Republican leadership is going gonna, is gonna to keep this going, keep the block up so we can't have any hearings? Yeah, in this case, I'm, I, I feel pretty good about it, just uh, based on some people that I've spoken to. Um, who we all see on the news and people who happen to be in the know inside Washington, inside the Beltway. I feel pretty comfortable with it. However, like I said, I'm not willing to give Mitch McConnell the benefit of the doubt anymore. He hasn't earned it. Uh, They've lost that from me and millions of other Americans and conservative Americans. But I feel pretty confident based on what we know would happen. If Mitch McConnell wants to throw away whatever's left of the establishment, and uh, Grassley and the rest of them and the Judicial Committee will offer up hearings. Otherwise, I think they're going to stand their guns or stand their grounds. We've heard it from too many of them on all sides, so I don't think they're going to back down on this one. Political suicide if they do, let me put it that way. Yeah, you know, and, and we're uh, we all hope you're right. We've got fingers crossed, but you know, with, with the with the miss 
missteps of the Republican Party here through the the primary process. I just hope they've got their act together for this, for their for the for this uh, you know supposed nomination process that they're going to try and push through. You know, because what well, we're seeing right Obama now wants is to push it through. And, and uh, look, the fact of the matter is, and Kevin knows this: the, the U.S. Constitution only gives the Senate advice and consent. They've already advised and they've already consented, and the answer is no. Right. Advice and consent doesn't mean they have to do anything other than advise and consent. And if our advice is don't put a nominee up, you, we've consented, the answer is no, we're not going to give hearings. Right. So hopefully that's where we stand. I'm, I'm comfortable there. But honestly, with the, the track record of these guys, Mike, I'm not comfortable being comfortable there, quite yeah. frankly, if that makes sense. No, that's it, and that's, that's my fear. You know, I know, I know what they've said, just like you've, you've, you've uh, spelled it out for us. Uh, with the whole process, but it's, yeah, boy, you know, they've turned their backs on us before and, and when, when we needed them. So we're just, just hoping and keeping those fingers crossed now. Yeah, I think more important to watch is, is, is what happens now as the political left is setting itself up to justify the coming violence from the left. And that's frightening because if you look what's happening in Arizona right now as we're speaking, uh, and what happened in Chicago, and what MoveOn.org, Black Lives Matter, and the rest of the anarchist, leftist, un-American organizations are already telling us they're going to do as the election moves forward towards November. It's quite scary to see. But if you go and read the, and I'll be talking about this tomorrow with the great Phyllis Schlafly, conservative icon and activist and columnist for, you know, she's 92 years old. Right. I'll be talking with her tomorrow about this. But what if you look at the Washington Post editorial on March 16th, just a matter of days ago, you will see the left beginning the setup of the justification for what's getting ready to come. And it's quite frightening, but uh, I can promise you one thing. It's not going to be college Republicans that are protesting and rioting. That much I can prove. I can promise you. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. As, as we get further and further into this uh, this presidency, you can you can look at a timeline and watch the race relations go further and further back. You know, he's right down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's to the point now where, you know, he's justified or excuse me, he's, he's not justified. He's a uh, rational. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. He's rationalized uh, use of force by the minorities against the right. It's it's what it's, did I tell you guys four months ago he was going to do right before the election? Yeah. He's going to create. Well, you know, Kevin, the last time I was on the show when we were at shot in Vegas, you and I, we talked about this very topic. Yep. And I told you, I don't think it was going to go that far. And I'm still not ready to say it's going to go that far. However, I'm going to tell you this. The first person I thought of when I saw Chicago and I and saw what was happening with MoveOn.org and the impending threats, the threats that they've made, as they said, welcome to the general election, Yeah. as they're going to do more and more of this. Now they're talking about, and it's on their website. Don't take my word for it, but go to MoveOn.org's website and read it for yourself, that they are planning protests in Washington, D.C. And these are not going to be protests. These no. are not going to be nonviolent. These are going to get ugly, and that's what they're known for. We've seen it in Ferguson. We've seen it in Baltimore. Heck, we we you know we can go back, and we don't even have to go back. We go back three weeks to Chicago, right. and we've seen it. So you know it's it's uh, it's it's quite frightening what the political left is. What it does is it reeks of desperation. And here's what people need to know listening to Arms Room Radio, and that is that they are currently using the First Amendment to shut off someone else's First Amendment. And they're very good at, as we all know, using the First Amendment to come after our Second Amendment. These are the same groups that want to disarm us. So people better be paying very careful attention to what's going on here. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, and this is this is gaining strength, like you said. This is getting worse and worse. Now we've had the, the video out of 
where was it? I think it was at a Howard University with the uh, Black Lives Matters threatening if this moves forward, if Trump moves forward, if the political process moves forward and it's leaning towards a Republican, that they're going to start killing white people, I believe was the quote that they used. And, and uh, I, again, I nothing I from the Department of Justice. Or, it, but, um, you know, what I, I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know. I, I want to look at it through the prism of, of my gun rights right. and my First Amendment rights and the track record from the organizations that we're seeing yeah. is actually believable. They will do what they say they're going to do, and I have no reason to doubt that. So whether or not it manifests itself like Kevin said, um, you know, well, I, I don't if, know. If you had a group of individuals that made this statement in Guyana or Chad, the United States would go in and try to supervise the election so that the people who wanted to vote had the right to vote. Yeah, yeah, you know, this you, is you couldn't make a statement like that and go, well, if you don't if you don't stop if that person doesn't stop running for the president of our country, we're just going to kill everybody who might vote for him. Yeah, we'd well, go in and go, is, hey, you know, we need to take over and supervise these elections. I can't wait to get that phone call from the Cuba. Of the political left. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the head of the snake, the dying snake, okay, lashing out in its last breath. We're witnessing what I believe to be at least in the United States the death of progressive liberalism, now known as socialism. I don't call them Democrats anymore because they're not. They're socialists. Right. They're fighting for that mantle and for that title, so we need to call them what they are. But I believe we're witnessing the end of it. That's why you're seeing this utter desperation. Now, what frightens me more than what we've seen in Chicago is if you go back and read that Washington Post editorial, the Washington Post editorial board is calling for the GOP establishment to save democracy by ignoring it and eliminating Donald Trump at the convention, wiping out the votes of millions upon millions of Americans, which is democracy, Yes. so that they can save democracy. And what this is is nothing more than a justification by the media for the coming violence that the left, no doubt, if what we've seen in Chicago and what we're witnessing in Arizona, I don't know how Arizona turned out, I was listening to it, not watching it, but um, as, as this ramps up more and more and more, there's no doubt at some point they're going to get violent as their frustrations of their impending loss continue to build. And when you read something like what you saw from The Washington Post, it reeks of the justification in the media because they're blaming Trump. So they're going to use that whole, don't blame us, it's his fault, and this is why it's okay. People are angry. Well. It remains to be seen. It will be a fascinating election cycle for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're coming up on the break here. But, yeah, it's with Trump, it's they're afraid because the political correctness is coming to an end. They, they hear his policies, the, the free ride, the checks are coming to an end. And the only thing they can do is yell, well, this is this is racism, so we're going to fight you. You know, and that's and that's the position uh, that they're move on dot org and BLM and everybody else has taken us. Mark, thank for join. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Uh, you're listening to Arms Room Radio, coming to you live from the Keltech Studios. Special thanks to our guest, Mark Walters, and we'll see you right after the break. Cheers.
You're listening to Armstrong Radio, live from the Keltec Studios. Call the Keltec Studios online right now. 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Now, more Arms Room Radio, live coast to coast, with Mike and the guys in the Keltec Studios. This segment of Arms Room Radio is brought to you by GunTech USA. For tactical excellence, check them out online at GunTechUSA.com. That's G-U-N-T-E-C-U-S-A dot com. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. Uh, hey, we're in a gun tech segment, so I wanted to say uh, hello to everybody at gun tech. I talked to, as a, well, it's a little bit more this week. I talked to him at least once a week. This time, I believe I talked to gun tech about 14 times. Uh, we just, we got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things in the works together. Uh, I got to say hello to all the guys out there and... Um, uh, and and uh, it's always a pleasure, always a pleasure talking to you, always a pleasure working. If you haven't checked out their stuff recently, get online at, uh, it's Gun Tech USA, it's G-U-N-T-E-C, there's no H in there, Gun Tech USA with no H, uh, dot com, and check them out. They've got some stuff for your ARs, for your AKs, uh, all sorts of great stuff, but the, what they've done recently this week is they've got some new, some new uppers, some new rails, and they're coloring them now. You get them... Uh, red and it's not painted. This is anodized. This is straight through. So you don't have to worry about paint chipping off. I mean, Cerakote's a great product, but you don't have to worry about it. This is this is a great product. They're doing them in reds and blues, and it's uh, it's tremendous. So take a look at them. Get a hold of your dealer. Make sure they got them, and uh, and have that stuff stocked on the shelves for you. Uh, hey, last segment we were talking with our buddy Mark Walters from Armed American Radio and Armed American Radio's Daily Defense Hour. We were talking about well, we started talking about. The president's nomination, Judge Merrick Garland, to replace the late Justice Antonin Scalia. Uh, and there's a couple of facts, a couple of factoids I want to make sure you know. There's, a, there's five factoids you, you need to know about him. Now, hopefully, as we talked last segment, it doesn't get anywhere. But these are the reasons you want it to get nowhere. There's, there's more than just the Second Amendment. Uh, we know Garland is considered anti-Second Amendment. As the National Review noted last week, back in 2007, as, as Mark and I were talking, we were all talking about, Judge Garland voted to undo the D.C. Circuit Court decision striking down one of the most restrictive gun laws in the nation. That was that was the Heller, Heller. case. Yep. And he voted to uphold an illegal Clinton-era regulation that created an improvised gun registration requirement. Obama will use his pick to pursue a gun control agenda. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think everything we've heard about that is exactly such. What I did see when I was researching this story, though, is the liberal media, the uh, the the way out there is not even the way out there. It's just the standard, the standard liberal media, which is you know everybody except us and perhaps Mark, maybe <laughs> you know Alan West, Herman Cain, those kind of people. But you know, uh, is the liberal media saying, well, there, no, 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 he's not anti-gun. He's he's not anti-gun at all. And and they're saying he, it in such. He wanted to give them a do-over. <laughs> In Heller. Yes. Yeah. Explain why do-overs are bad. Once a, <laughs> a court has ruled, yeah. you don't want to go back, especially at the judge's level, and go, well, let's just go back and we'll reconsider it, and this time I'll have a chance to back-channel with all my fellow judges in bonk, which means everybody has to be there, and I can convince them why they should rule the way I want them to. Well, no, 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 no. I agreed with the result. I just didn't agree with the way they got there. We need to redo it because the the way they got there wasn't right. Right. Now, this is yeah, not and like that's, you're... that's the insidiousness of an en banc review right. is... You've got ten different legal methodologies to get right. to the same result. Yeah. But the result's the result. If you get there, you get there. Right. No this need is... to revisit it. 
this is not like your, your local criminal case or your local civil case where you go in and you either have a judge, you trial by judge or trial by jury, and when it's done, here's the verdict, and that's it. When you go and sit down on one of these cases like this, you get uh, you know, a, a five-page, 500-page ruling from the judge on why. This is yes. why and this is how. And that had already been issued. So if you go back and you want to do this again, you've handed, you've handed the how-to it's a, to, it's the, a, to the, to it's the a, opposition. It's a formula on how to fix the arguments that you made that exactly. were invalid. Exactly. But, but let's talk about a criminal case. You know, uh, Judge Garland is very, very, very pro-prosecutor, pro-law enforcement. He doesn't believe they ever prosecute somebody who isn't already established as guilty. He's also the kind of judge that in the past would say, listen, innocence is no reason to overturn a conviction. You know, you, DNA has taken a lot of people out of prison because it turned out that the DNA proved they weren't guilty. And I've, I've been in cases where evidence was hidden from the defense. The prosecution had right, it. Right. They didn't produce it. It got found later. They were entitled to another trial, and the state of Florida dismisses the case. Uh, judge Garland is the kind of judge that says, listen, just because you have DNA evidence that proves innocence doesn't mean that you have the right to overturn a conviction. He was convicted, and that's the state of the law. Right. You can't have a judge like that on the Supreme Court of the United States. Yeah. yeah you you yeah. can't. If, if I'm innocent of a crime and science has proven unequivocally that I'm innocent of a crime, send me home. Right. Don't hold me for longer so that you can consider how I can go try to prove that I have the legal right to be reconsidered for trial. Once that piece of evidence is produced, I should be sent home. And if the prosecution wants to go try to try me again, they can. But you don't get to let me sit in limbo for 10 years while you argue about the piece of evidence that scientifically proved I was innocent. And Garland's that guy. Number two, Garland is favored environmental regulations. As SCOTUS blog noted in 2010, and this is well before anybody ever thought of him for the Supreme Court, on environmental law, Judge Garland has in a number of cases favored contested EPA regulations and actions when challenged by industry. And in other cases, he has accepted challenges brought by environmental groups. That could be very important with Obama's clean power plan in the balance. Okay, Hillary Clinton just said there's going to be a lot of angry coal mines and disappointed coal workers who's going to shut them down and lay them off. All right? Garland's the kind of guy that would back her up in that kind of thing. They are for big government. They are for dependent on somebody else for your energy government as well. Government, exactly. Dependent on big government. That means... The government would either over-regulate the power industry or outright control the power industry. And that's what they're talking about. That's what Hillary's talking about. And that's what Garland's clearly favoring here is big government. You know, they're just, just because the regulations are unreasonable and don't, don't uh, make any sense anymore, it doesn't mean you don't obey them. These are government regulations. We'll just make more. So that's where he is. Uh, Garland's number three, Garland's positions on abortion and social issues are murky. Uh, some liberals are worried that Garland may not be unambiguously pro-choice. Richard Wolf of USA Today writes, During 19 years at the D.C. court, Garland has managed to keep a low profile. The court's, the court's largely administrative docket has left him without known positions on issues such as abortion or the death penalty. 
And listen, you know, everybody's going to have their own opinion on, on either of, of those topics. But you want to know that before you put somebody on the bench, especially the Supreme Court. I mean, those are important issues at the circuit level where you live. Why shouldn't they be important issues for the Supreme Court? They ought to be. Well, it's just that all the alphabet soup agencies' appeals, uh, the administrative appeals, go to the First Circuit, which is in D.C. So a large majority of these district court judges at the federal level and the appellate court judges at the federal level handling alphabet soup issues. Yeah. Oh, dear. You mean he doesn't have the experience in those kinds of cases to warrant his appointment? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you convince me. Take him off the list. Number four, Garland would maintain the court's demographic profile. Eh, okay. Uh, he's the second uh, Chicago and Obama has nominated. He is no wise Latina and is the first man Obama has chosen. But Garland, like Scalia, is the graduate. Excuse me, is a graduate of Harvard Law, keeping the number of crimson justices at five. Uh, if confirmed, he would also be the fourth Jewish person on the court, preserving the odd exclusion of evangelical Protestants. You know, I don't. I don't know that uh, his religion makes a difference on the court. I don't know that. Um, the color mater. of his skin or his alma mater makes a difference on the court. Uh, you know, it's all about being uh, being open and being a, a very, very judicial. You know, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find another word than judicial, but he's you know, to, you know, to, that he knows what he's talking about. And I think those are the key issues here. Uh, I've never had a problem with. Are you the epitome of a justice? Yeah, right? exactly. I've never had a problem with skin color or with uh, with religion. Unfortunately, or our sex. president has. Or sex. And I think maybe the president reached down for a white Jewish person so he could get his way and get him on the court. Because well, this is the last person that Obama has appointed, I think, in the in, in last several major appointments. Uh, you know, d- d- um, excuse me, Department of Justice. Um, his uh, who else has he got up there? Uh, several other key cabinet members that happen to be uh, Muslim or minorities, or so. I, I, maybe this is just a way to appease the people and get him get him nominated. The, or maybe he checked off a couple of boxes and said, yeah. it's time. The, just so everybody understands, the crimson justice means that that's the color of the robe that Harvard uses for their doctoral program, the JD program. It's crimson. It's not to suggest that they're a rocker or they're in league with Satan or anything. It's just the color of the robes. Uh, last one. That Republicans have supported Garland in the past, but you got to look at who these Republicans are. There are people like uh, Senator Orrin Hatch uh, and, and several several others that uh, jumped the line a couple of times. You're listening to Arms Room Radio coming to you live from the Caltech Studios. We'll see you after the break. Thinking about buying an AR rifle? Maybe for hunting or home protection. There are a lot of them on the market. So why choose an arms room AR rifle? Well, one, they're made by veterans and first responders, people who know what it's like to depend on a rifle. Two, the arms room AR is made with the highest quality materials and standards. Your arms room AR may not ever be used to defend life and property, but if it comes to that, know it'll work right the first time, every time. Shop armsroom.com for their complete selection of AR rifles, pistols, parts, and accessories. That's armsroom.com, where veterans and first responders always receive 10% off maybe you'll get past the word bullpup maybe you'll be impressed with 11 innovations like our patented downward shell ejection but in the one millionth of a second it takes for innovation to ignite performance it'll make you a believer the Caltech rdb the bullpup done right innovation performance Caltech. see the rdb in action at youtube slash Caltech weapons 
Ever want to accessorize your tactical rifle? Then you want the tactical excellence of Gun Tech USA. Gun Tech, a family-owned and operated manufacturer of tactical accessories for AR-15, AR-10, and AK-47 style rifles. For nearly three decades, Gun Tech USA has been producing the finest quality pistol grips, rail systems, scope mounts, slings, compensators, flash hiders, handguards, iron sights, and more. Check online at GunTechUSA.com to see their vast selection of parts and accessories and to locate a dealer near you. Whether you do your own gunsmithing or you have it done, when customizing your tactical rifle, insist on tactical excellence. Insist on GunTech USA parts. GunTech, a proud supporter of the Second Amendment and friends of Arms Room Radio. Check them out online today at GunTechUSA.com. That's G-U-N-T-E-C-U-S-A.com. GunTech USA, defining tactical excellence for over 26 years. Hey, Mike, ready to go to lunch? No, not today. I'm going to get some trigger time in. You're going to the range? Nope. I'm going to train in the environment in which statistics say I'm most likely to have a violent encounter at work. Here in the office? Or at home. Trigger time? How can you have trigger time in the office or at home without shooting up the place? Easy. With my CERT SIRT training pistol from Next Level Training. Shooting paper targets at the range is good practice, but it's not the environment I'm in most of the time. With the rise in workplace violence, I vowed not to be a victim. Besides, I'm here all by myself, so why not? I have my CERT training pistol, and when practicing your draw from concealment, CERT is the safest and only way to go. CERT training pistol. I've heard about them. They look like a Glock, but they don't fire real bullets. Saves you money, huh? Yep, it sure does. How do I get mine? Log on to nextleveltraining.com slash armsroom and order yours today. The safest and easiest way to train in your own environment. Get ready. Stay ready with the CERT training pistol. Go online right now to nextleveltraining.com slash armsroom. Greetings to all my friends out there and patriotic Americans. This is Colonel Alan West, and you're listening to Arms Room Radio. Stand at attention when I'm talking. You're listening to Arms Room Radio, live from the Kiltech Studios. Call the Arms Room Hotline right now, 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Now, more Arms Room Radio, live coast to coast, with Mike and the guys in the Kiltech Studios. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. You know, you hear us say it a bunch of times, uh, you know, the best radio seems to happen on the break. Past couple of breaks, it's, uh, since we had Mark Walters on, we were talking about Judge Garland, and we're getting into what's going on in the elections. Uh, that's been the topic of discussion here in, in, the, in the studio. So we, uh, we decided, you know what, uh, guys, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's include everybody in on this. Let's get this, let's get this conversation going for everybody uh, so they can, they can uh, benefit from it also. Uh, Kevin, Alec, what we were talking about uh, during the first segment was, and, and what we had with Mark, um, that, listen, this is, I think this is, as it stands right now, whether it's it's Trump or whether it's Cruz, uh, and they end up in uh, against, well, it's, it looks like it's going to be Hillary. Even if it was Sanders that won, Hillary would fix the numbers and make sure she wins. So, <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, she'd flip a coin. Yeah, yeah well, it looks exactly right. It was what I'm saying. In, in Iowa... Uh, Six precincts were 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 tied, right? Virtual tie, yep. not a virtual tie, an actual tie. Mm-hmm. So they all flipped the coin, yep. And then all six coin flips. Guess who won? Hillary. And guess which? Guess how many coin flips of those six coin flips were done without a witness? 
All of them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, exactly. And, so, and, you, and, and guess how many times the coin was threatened if you didn't come down the right way. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It could have been a Clinton coin. It could have been two-faced. Ooh, oh, yeah. Just like that. Just like that. Um, they come to me it in my depends on what your definition of face is. Yeah. What? What? Well, I don't what? know. What? <laughs> um, so here's, here's my concern. Now, this is coming from the, the, you know, the liberal media polls, so, uh, and Trump has, again, proved them wrong every time. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to pull for for either candidate at this point. The boy, what what we see right now is if it's against Clinton, she's somewhere in the 55 uh, percent range, and, and Trump would be somewhere in the 45 percent range. If it was Cruz, you're looking at uh, Clinton somewhere in the 53 percent range, and uh, and 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 then again Cruz somewhere in the 47. So it's a little close, goes back and forth, one or two points either way. But the majority of these liberal polls keep showing. Clinton in the lead. Now, first off, I think that those liberal polls are like that because they believe if they tell it to you enough, you'll believe it. Uh, and it's it's like they're doing with talking about Judge Garland, as we, as we mentioned earlier, and, and just how they, they portray politics in general. So... I'm 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 laying there in bed last night, uh, you know, wondering about what we're doing uh, with the show today because I'm always thinking about the show. And all of a sudden, it just hit me, and I sat up straight in bed. How are we going to, you know, I, I know, I know how we're going to keep the vote from being 55 to 45, because well, your, your concern was that a Trump person wouldn't vote for Cruz yeah, and a Cruz person wouldn't vote for it, Trump out of, out of disappointment that they didn't take the lead yeah, with, with well, how, with how bitter this is. Exactly. This right. is, this is much more bitter than Obama versus Hillary in the primaries. I think Alex got it right there with bitter. Whereas you had Bush supporters, Carson supporters, uh, Rubio supporters, uh, even the case supporters, you had, uh, uh um, Oh, uh, the, the Jersey governor. Um, Christie. Judge, or excuse me, uh, yeah, thank you, Governor Christie. All of those people, those were their favorites. That was the individual candidate they wanted, and they were voting for them. They were in the, major, in the minority, but they were voting for them. Once they left, they, they picked their candidate, whether it happened to be Cruz or Trump, Cruz mm-hmm. or Trump. Um, I'm, my concern is that a Cruz candidate, let's say Trump wins the nomination, uh, that a Cruz supporter won't cross over because, just like Alex said, it's, it's bitter. These these are guys that uh, you know started out in support of each other, but then when you put anybody in a race, clearly you're going to try and win, and, and it's gone bitter. Um, same thing with Trump supporters. I don't believe Trump supporters would vote for Cruz. Now, the one thing I am pretty confident of is that let's say Trump gets this is just an example. If Trump gets the nomination, Cruz voters are not going to go vote for an independent. They're not going to go vote for Hillary. They're just not going to vote. Right. They're just, you know, they they won't they won't vote against. They just won't vote for. And you're and you're assuming that the Republican establishment isn't going to try to oust Trump. You know, I think that's a whole other that's a whole other line there. Um, it, it is, but I, and, it, Mark was talking about the the last head of the the socialist movement right. rearing or, or hanging on for its last breath. You right. know, you're you're looking at a possible implosion within the Republican Party too if they try to oust Trump, assuming he is the inevitable. I think they realized when they when the Republican Party and we'll get right back to the to the topic. This is an excellent point, Alex Macon. The with the Republican Party uh, with 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 Trump and Cruz, you had um, uh, uh, the vote. Alex, wait, hold on, hold on a second here. Hold on, wait a second. I'm getting I'm getting a note. I'm getting an email. I'm being distracted. It's, <laughs> Earl, Earl it's Earl texting you? in. Uh, okay, good. Now, oh, wait, hold on. Where were we, Alex? I was saying that there might be an inevitable explosion. An implosion inside the Republican Party if they try to oust Trump as the nominee. Yes, yeah, and, and what, what I what I think is going to happen there is um, uh, they could talk all they want when they when they brought Mitt Romney up 
and <laughs> and Mitt was the savior that the Republican establishment was, was looking for, and they brought him out and they said, Mitt, help us, save us, and they thought that was going to be the end-all, be-all of Trump, when they realized how incredibly bad that idea was, <laughs> and it backfired on him spectacularly. I think they finally realized... Um, Oops. Yeah. Oops. We got a problem. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Houston, per- we have a problem. Perhaps we should see if there's some seats left on this train. You know, <laughs> we might want to get on board instead of trying to, you know, put up balsa wood barriers on the tracks here, you know? So I think we should be okay there if they, if they learned anything, but now, yeah. now jumping back, how do we get cruise supporters to vote for Trump or how do we get Trump supporters to vote for Cruz, depending on which one wins the nomination? And this is what you had the epiphany of set straight up out of bed. Uh, President Trump and Vice President Cruz, a Trump-Cruz ticket. And here's the deal. Here's the deal that I think gets Cruz on the ticket. Because right now, Cruz wants to be president. He's just as qualified as Trump, if not more qualified, depending on you know what angles and what aspects you're looking at of each candidate's uh, uh, credentials. Uh, it is... That Donald Trump is 69 years old. There's nothing wrong with Donald Trump. He's 69. We know we know what a great president can do at that age. We, we saw what Ronald Reagan did. We saw what uh, George Bush did. Uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. Um, they were both in, in their 70s in their presidency. Donald Trump is 69. Uh, he will turn to Cruz and say, Ted, my boy, here's the deal. Be my vice president. You be my vice president, and I'm I'm going to do this for four years. That's going to give you the opportunity to spend 12 years uh, in the White House. You'd be VP for the first four, and then I turn around and say, I'm done. I'm going back to business. I've accomplished what I want. Now you take the helm for eight years, and I'm going to support you. And there's there it is. And there's, there's instead of 44 and 45% trying to figure out, there's 89%, 90%. There's the Cruz and Trump supporters that weren't sure if they would cross over. Now they're voting for the same ticket. Because you know Bernie and Hillary supporters are going to... They don't support care. each other. Yellow, yeah. They're called yellow dog Democrats. It doesn't matter if a yellow dog is running on that ticket; yep. they're voting for it. They don't. They don't care. You've got your you've got your twenty somethings, your your teens right now fighting for Sanders and all his free free garbage. You got uh, the people that like to be lied to uh, currently uh, <laughs> voting for Hillary, but uh, now you have to worry about uh, you know. Or excuse me, on the Democrat side, you don't have to worry about. They're just going to vote for Democrat. They don't care who it is. The problem now with getting to a Trump Cruz ticket is is the third candidate that's out there. Is, is John Kasich. Well, we've got to get Mr. Kasich out of this race. He cannot be... We can't even consider him to be a, a Republican nominee. He cast the last vote implementing Clinton's firearms ban. Yeah, and let's say he's a Republican. Yeah. He wasn't a Democrat back then to no. change parties or anything no. like that. He was, he was a Republican there, and he's serving in the, serving in the, in the, uh, in the House. He, he, we can't have him. We we just cannot have him. He cannot. He made if, a deal if you with you own a firearm. Yeah. You can't put him in presidency because if you think Obama came after your guns, this guy's going to get him. Yeah, you know there, he's he's done some stuff in his home state. You know he passed some uh, some bills to reform concealed carry. He allowed suppressor use. He's he's done some stuff over the past couple of years. Excuse me, the past two years because to, he's planning. Ah, there we go. Is yep. is uh. You know, it's like acting like a spy. You know, you gotta get your your bones. Look, you gotta look like a he, duck. He's evolved. Yeah. Look, everybody, I'm pro gun. I'm pro gun. Look what I've done with my state. With my state. Now he goes to the White House, and guess what? He can correct in not only his state, but every state in the union, and every territory, and every commonwealth. 
he can he can take them all away. Well, I can I could just pass a federal law that usurps the state law. Exactly right. That would be the supremacy clause. That's right. By the way, um, the you know all about this. I do know this. I do know this. Jeez. The uh, the so this is what what Kevin's trying to say about uh, about uh, Governor Kasich. There is that he was the final deciding vote on the uh, on the Clinton assault weapon ban. He was on board. He made deals. Uh, it was all, it wasn't only him. It was it was Mr. Soros also and his money. Uh, you know, th- this was this was them putting us where we are now. Uh, you know, th- this is them creating the Tea Party. This is them uh, putting a, a front up against the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Because again, my opinion, it's political correctness that's put us where we are with the Republican Party, and I think that's one of the big reasons. Well, obviously, it's one of the big reasons Trump has the momentum is the political uh, that he's not politically correct, and I believe that the Dem- that's just something the Democratic Party and MoveOn.org and 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 the and the, the Black Lives Matter group uh, misunderstanding or misrepresenting the lack of political correctness. Trump per- telling us that political correctness is going away. These parties believe that that means you're racist. It doesn't mean we're racist. It means we're 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 tired of worrying about uh, what. A person that walked by hearing our conversation would be offended by, and now I have to go to human diversity training because you heard uh, him and I having a, talking about a black and white cookie I got from the deli. You know, political correctness is going away, and they're and they're afraid of it, uh, and they think it's racism, and it's not. It's just we're tired of it. So he's also the kind of guy that voted for background checks in '93 when the system said it's no good. You're exactly right. You're listening to Arms Room Radio coming to you live from the Keltech Studios. Please, please, exercise your Second Amendment rights responsibly. If you aren't ready, get ready. And if you are ready, stay ready. We'll see you next hour. Live from the Keltech Studios, it's Arms Room Radio with Mike and his team from the Arms Room. Conceal and carry, gun safety, the law, the latest gear, and more. You'll get it all right here. And you can connect with these guys right now. Call the Arms Room Radio hotline, 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Arms Room Radio is on the air live coast to coast from the Keltech Studios. Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. Thank where you. We, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Where we promise to bring you all things gun, all the gun time. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Did you have a good break? Enjoyable break? Did all right. Do a, a good break. Do, do a good break. Up and downstairs. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. got to get back I, I did, to that. Field. I didn't move. No. You, can't, well, you did kind of lean I, in your chair a little I bit. Back. I saw yeah, I against back. the wall a little, you know, so uh, get getting some rest while we were here. Uh, listen, normally on my right would be my right-hand man, the great, 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 great grandson of Daniel Boone. His name is Earl. Talk to corporate. But he's not here today. He's talking to corporate. He's he's talking to corporate. He is he is working. He's he's being the boss. The song is like a boss. If we never told you the name of that song, the name of that song. Talk to corporate. Like a boss is like a boss. Well, like Kevin said, one of the one of the uh, one of the side hazards of being the boss is. Uh, being the boss, he's being the boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when uh, there was some, uh, there was some scheduling issues, and uh, it it, it uh, needed Earl's presence to take care of. On the flip side, if you know anybody out there with some uh, some military or some law enforcement experience, and wouldn't mind working in a gun shop, 
give her all give her all a call at the yeah, the arms he, room. He might be looking for some yeah additional personnel to fill the calendar. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, you know, got to uh, know got to know a little bit about guns. You have to uh, again. Uh, we are a, a veteran-owned and operated company. We prefer that uh, you be a veteran. We're going to give you veterans' preference, uh, or you know, or any public service. You know, if you're a fireman, if you're a cop, you're an EMT, that kind of thing. That's that's what they're looking for. Full-time and part-time, I believe, opportunities available at the arms room. So, give Earl a call. Uh, look it up at uh, armsroom.com. Uh, that's in the, that's the Central Florida outfit, the uh, the Orlando area one. So you're going to want to check them out. On my left. You, are you hiring, hiring, Kevin? Are you looking for anybody? Any more counsel right now? Any more lawyers? Mm, no. no. Okay. On my left is the legal ninja, the courtroom assassin. Please welcome him back, Mr. Kevin Maxwell. Thank you. If we hire anybody in the future, it's because I've left and Alec needs help. <laughs> needs help. I, you know, I just picture Alec in the smoking jacket with the uh, with the pipe and uh, the tumbler of scotch while you're gone, wearing the slippers. Yeah, I can slippers see. Also. I can see Alec drinking scotch. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah. Uh, and on my right, in the uh, one o'clock position, is is the guy we're talking about. It's uh, you, you throw a Long Island iced tea in front of him, though. It's doomed. What iced tea? At least that's not a pink drink with an umbrella. I'll give him that. Uh, uh, on my right the, is uh, your right hand man, the samurai sidekick, the Padawan learner. Please welcome him back, Attorney Alec Weber. Hi. And if you can't figure it out, Alex, bad to the bone. I am. I'm awesome. <laughs> he actually is married to Mrs. Awesome. Yeah. Mrs. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, I wanted to get a bunch of topics we're going to jump into. I want to make sure we don't get behind here. Uh, first one, we promise we're going to be talking to you about the Army, talking about new firearms choices. When it comes to handguns, the U.S. Army wants the weapon of its choice, not whatever pistol the Pentagon's Byzantine procurement process draws. Okay, I, I take issue with Byzantine. Oh, well, okay? that's because you were there. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was a very, very rapidly acquired system. It wasn't very complex. I think they're referring to Draconian. Okay, Draconian. Just, there, so, we there we go. Okay, that's so, probably, probably okay, it. So yeah. just, I, I was never a Draconian kind of guy. There you go. But I take issue with Byzantine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Pentagon's currently mulling over a uh, host of proposals to replace the M9 sidearm. All right. Let me tell you this. Uh, the M9 replaced the Colt 1911. It started in 1985. Took about 10 years for it to get out of uh, all branches, all components of the military. Uh, still, some special ops guys, you know, they get to pick whatever they want. If they wanted to pick, uh, you know, a big rock, they could pick that as their primary weapon. That's just their choice. The 1911 was the 45. Subsonic, uh, 7 plus 1, 8 plus 1, depending on the magazine you had. And that's it's true, because you get an old Colt mag, you could fit more ra- more ammo in it. They would just, the springs would compress over time. Uh, with the with an M9, that's a, uh, well, again, well, that's, depending on which mag you buy, uh, the, the M9, the Beretta, that's the 92 FS on the civilian market, very, very small changes. That's 15 rounds plus one of 9 mil. Now, this brings up the whole fight, like we've, we have in here so many times of 9 mil versus 45, 9 mil versus 45, stopping power versus capacity, stopping power versus capacity. And that's what it comes down to. You, you, you're pursing your lips. You look like you want to say something. No, I'm okay. just going to let you grant for a second. <laughs> uh, what, they, what they're talking about in this, in this article, and it, uh, if you want to take a look at it, uh, just, just Google it. We found it on Fox News. Army boss takes aim at bureaucracy, bureaucracy over sidearm choices. Um, the Army put out a 360-page requirement doc, uh, document. Just as a sidebar, when the Australian Army wanted the, a new gun and they, they accidentally sent it to Gaston Glock, you know how long it was? 
No. It was a one-page fax with the requirements. Yeah. I've, I've gotten <laughs> the facts like that before, yeah. and and usually it's on a Friday, and they give us six weeks to field the system. Yeah. Okay, okay, just so we're clear, Byzantine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they had a shot six guys with a Beretta, and then they shot six guys with a Colt, and the one that killed him the fastest won. Yeah. Just so we understand how the Byzantines <laughs> would have done this test. Exactly right. Um, what's on the table right now that they're looking at is the Glock 17 and the Glock 19. Those are uh, 40, excuse me, nine, nine millimeters. Uh, one's the full size, It's uh, and then one is the, they call it the compact. It's Although Glock has three guns smaller than it now, but they still call it the compact. Uh, Glock 17 being a 17-round gun, Glock 19 being a 15-round gun. Um, the With the interview, that they're, they're when they're talking to people here, uh, it says... Soldiers don't like the M9, and they would much prefer some type of 45 caliber handgun. Uh, if I had to pick, I would lean towards a Glock 17 or a 19. Okay. Let, let's back up for a second, because <laughs> I want to make sure everybody understands. What's the purpose of a military round of ammunition? It is designed to wound. Yeah. That way you it's a false multiplier, because the wounded soldier takes two or three other soldiers out of combat to attend to him. That's why they use ball ammo. Right. When you're using a handgun, however, that's not your objective, because if you've gotten to the point where you're using your handgun, um, whiskey, tango, foxtrot, you want the person running towards you uh, to stop running towards you. You don't want to wound him. You want to create a wall of his comrades and himself, or herself, not to be sexist, which is what the 45 got put in place in the first place for. Is during the Philippines. Philippine War, the Spanish-American uh, Revolution there. Excuse me, Spanish-American so, War. So a uh, flying ash can is a better handgun for a military operator than a 9mm parabellum because it's not wounding. Listen, it's I use the stopping. M- I use the M9 overseas in Afghanistan, and uh, there's nothing wrong with the M9. I've used the M9 in police service. There's nothing wrong with the M9. Uh, it's a... Uh, it does what it's designed to do. Uh, in my opinion, the M9 was easier to maintain okay. than, the, than the Glock. May I ask you a question? Yes. What do you carry? My Right now? Yes, sir. I carry a forty five. Why? Because I, my, I understand that my pistol is only the means to get to a bigger gun. Right. And, but you want to stop the person and not wound them. I'm not, I'm not looking to wound. I'm not looking to... You're not trying to create a force multiplier correct. by carrying a 9mm. Right. Correct. Do I carry a 9mm? Do you? No. Okay. You carry something a little bit larger. Larger. Just a wee uh, bit bigger. You're listening to Arms Room Radio coming to you live from the Caltech Studios. We'll see you after the break. Hey, Mike, you ready to go to lunch? No, not today. I'm going to get some trigger time in. You're going to the range? Nope. I'm going to train in the environment in which statistics say I'm most likely to have a violent encounter. At work. Here in the office? Or at home. Trigger time. How can you have trigger time in the office or at home without shooting up the place? Easy. With my CERT SIRT training pistol from Next Level Training. Shooting paper targets at the range is good practice, but it's not the environment I'm in most of the time. With the rise in workplace violence, I vowed not to be a victim. Besides, I'm here all by myself. So why not? I have my CERT training pistol, and when practicing your draw from concealment, CERT is the safest and only way to go. CERT training pistol. I've heard about them. They look like a Glock, but they don't fire real bullets. Saves you money, huh? Yep, it sure does. How do I get mine? Log on to nextleveltraining.com slash armsroom and 
and order yours today. The safest and easiest way to train in your own environment. Get ready. Stay ready with the CERT Training Pistol. Go online right now to nextleveltraining.com slash armsroom. This is no ordinary shotgun. Not with innovative dual-tube magazines that hold a dozen 12-gauge rounds, plus one in the chamber. And in the one millionth of a second, when innovation ignites performance, the ordinary tactical shotgun became obsolete. Innovation. Performance. kel See the KSG in action at YouTube slash kel Weapons. Thinking about buying an AR rifle? Maybe for hunting or home protection. There are a lot of them on the market. So why choose an arms room AR rifle? Well, one, they're made by veterans and first responders, people who know what it's like to depend on a rifle. Two, the arms room AR is made with the highest quality materials and standards. Your arms room AR may not ever be used to defend life and property, but if it comes to that, know it'll work right the first time, every time. Shop armsroom.com for their complete selection of AR rifles, pistols, parts, and accessories. That's armsroom.com, where veterans and first responders always receive 10% off off ever want to accessorize your tactical rifle then you want the tactical excellence of gun tech usa gun tech a family owned and operated manufacturer of tactical accessories for ar-15 ar-10 and ak-47 style rifles for nearly three decades gun tech usa has been producing the finest quality pistol grips rail systems scope mounts slings compensators flash hiders hand guards iron sights and more check online at guntechusa.com to see their vast selection of parts and accessories and to locate a dealer near you whether you do your own gunsmithing or you have it done when customizing your tactical rifle insist on tactical excellence insist on gun tech usa parts gun tech a proud supporter of the second amendment and friends of arms room radio check them out online today at guntechusa.com that's g-u-n-t-e-c-u-s-a.com gun tech usa defining tactical excellence for over 26 years Listening to Arms Room Radio live from the Kiltech Studios. Call the Arms Room Hotline right now. 407 774 8255. 407 774 8255. Now, more Arms Room Radio live coast to coast with Mike and the guys in the Kiltech Studios. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. Hey, we want to quick finish this up. Uh, we got about two minutes left on this last topic, but I'm going to bring in Lieutenant Bill, the Chief uh, Law Enforcement Officer of Arms Room Radio, to finish this last topic out with us. Uh, Lieutenant Bill, how are you doing today? Hey guys, what's going on today? Well, listen, we're before we get into some uh, some police stuff, we wanted to talk to you about some uh, some gun stuff. Um, it is what we were talking about was the Army again looking at changing their firearm, and we were, where we left off with was. And I want to make sure you understand, you hear this quote, and let me get your response. Uh, currently, the Army has the M9. We know that. Um, and they're looking at a couple of different options. Uh, Shaw, uh, one, of the, one of the people that was involved in this process, said, Soldiers don't like the M9 and would much prefer some type of forty-five caliber handgun. If I had to pick, I would lean towards a Glock 17 or 19. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, it, it, I'm reading this story and I'm like, uh, you know, who? What are we? Who are we interviewing here? You know, we're we're, we're interviewing. I, I you know, I don't know because the last time I checked, uh, when I carried a 45 caliber 
Glock, it was a 21. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of couple of Glock uh, 45 calibers, and none of them are the 17 or 19. Those are nine millimeters. No. Yes. Um, one of the things that I was just trying to get across, Kevin and I were speaking about, and again, we're only going to spend a minute or two on this, is that, um, like Kevin said, the M9 is a high capacity nine millimeter ammo uh, ball. It's designed to uh, incapacitate and and wound and and cause other people to have to render aid. Uh, force multiplier. To, you know, it becomes a you know that one nine mil round becomes a force multiplier where you may shoot one, but you now have three people you know right. involved. Whereas on the law enforcement side or in the self defense side, back home here in the states, you may want to go with a smaller capacity and a larger uh, round because you're not trying to wound and distract the enemy. You're, you're trying to take care of one, maybe two attackers at the most. Yeah, you want to stop the threat, and you want to you want to do that with the least amount of rounds possible. Exactly right. Now, and the way I've always looked at my self defense weapon here in the states is that's just that's only a means to get me out of the threat and get me to either safety or a bigger gun. Correct. Uh, and and by bigger gun, I mean a much longer bullet. A much longer <laughs> well, bullet like with a the, shoulder stock. You remember from our time overseas, your the, the, your pistol was only there to uh, assist you to get to your rifle. Yeah, and that's that's the other point I wanted to make. Thanks for bringing that up. Is that when you're overseas, you're either dually armed, du- excuse me, dual armed, or single armed. And the single arm is a rifle. Yes. If you happen to be one of those guys, just depending on your position, if you're a medic, a mortarman, uh, you know, a, a tanker, an officer, that kind of stuff, you have both because you're sometimes you're in restricted spaces where you can't swing your rifle, so they give you the pistol to do also. But you're never just single armed with the pistol. No, that doesn't no. happen. Now, military stateside, that will you'll see your MPs or your security police when they're on their job as policemen carrying the single the single uh, pistol on them, but the rifle is still close by. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Uh, so my message to the Army is uh, get your act together. All right. Well, if, if you remember for years I carried a forty five on duty, and the only reason why I carried a forty five on duty was because they didn't make a forty six. Exactly right. <laughs> and exactly right. And uh, as, a, as, a, as a little known fact, I carried the same forty five. Yes. Yes, you did. Uh, I'm not you the both same. carried the same gun? We did at different times. So you just, like, swap out like the SEALs do now? Family gun. Yep. Yeah, it was it was it was family tradition. So, <laughs> so um, I think a howitzer is the proper. <laughs> it's you know, a forty-five. That's exactly. What we said a forty-five. I, t- I used a, my pistol to threaten the guy with the cannon to fire the cannon. Well, it, it was a Smith and Wesson six forty-five, so it was basically a hand cannon. It was. It's exactly what it was, and shiny too. You could direct traffic with it if the sun was out. Or you can anchor your boat with it, too. Exactly right. It was stainless, so it wouldn't rust. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could anchor the boat with it uh, because it was like 14, 15 pounds loaded. It was a, <laughs> it was a beast. Uh, Bill, yeah, uh, Not much recall, then. No, 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 not much at all. Uh, out of New York, NYPD, there's a captain up there who bailed on shot uh, cops, may yeah. soon face historic charges. Yes, there there is. Uh, and, of course, we're, we're talking about uh, Captain Scott Forster. Uh, with I believe the 77th precinct uh, was uh, the basically the command officer on duty uh, at the time that the two officers were shot. Uh, he had about 40 minutes or so left on his shift uh, when the officers were shot, and he decided that he was just going to go home. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he just uh, wasn't playing ball that day. Um, he, uh, I think, what he told his bosses. Well, when this all started, when it came out, was that he was wasn't feeling well and went home early. Yes. Uh, and but that's that's not 
what the current allegations are or what the investigation is finding? No, it's not. Uh, what they're doing is, is in this particular investigation, they're using uh, both uh, pinging his cell phone and uh, his... Uh, his toll pass. Called, uh, yeah. His toll pass yeah. uh, to basically uh, triangulate and pinpoint where he was uh, at certain times. Uh, and coincidentally, this is not the first time that he has been called out and gotten in trouble for going home early. Uh, he was reprimanded back in 2011 uh, as a, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2014, uh, he was reprimanded uh, for going home early. Yeah, he did for not, instead of not responding to a call, you know, the, uh, he was the duty captain that night. Yeah, um, yes, he was. I, I also find it uh, interesting that, um, in addition to checking, like you said, his toll pass records and checking the his you know, cell phone records to see what tower he was off of, where he, if he was if he was where he said he was, he's also uh, a, a student at New York Law School, and they're checking the schedule there to see if perhaps he was uh, leaving work a little bit early to, to head to class. Now, yes. in some cases, that's okay, that's authorized. You 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 let the bosses know, and you do this, and you take it. But you know, perhaps when you're a captain and you're the primary. Watch commander or patrol commander out there, they say don't do that. And that's probably what happened here because uh, they're they're definitely checking into yeah, that. See, on him. We had a something when I was in government service. It's called mischarging. Yeah. And yeah. it was like you, you could do anything. You could set children on fire. You weren't allowed to mischarge. Right, right. It, you you get in trouble for mischarging. All the exactly. other things you could do, you were fine. But well, this guy's know, and, mischarging. And he, had a very, he had a very a important role. You know, not, not only was he in charge of the, the precinct at the time, you know, he had to put the hospital plan in place. And NYPD and a lot of other agencies have this for critical incidents where, you know, something like this happens. You know, he needs to respond to the hospital. He knows that the police commissioner is going to be coming. The, you know, the, the first deputy commissioner is going to be coming. The mayor is going to be coming. The family. You know, there's certain things that have to be put in place. Obviously, there's going to be heightened security. Here, there's a security plan that has to be put into place. And uh, he failed to do all these things. Um, and basically what the union is saying is that this guy has committed career suicide. I mean, he's only been a cop for 10 years and he's already, you know, he's just a newly promoted captain. Uh, so I think that has a lot to play in it as well. If he doesn't have that command experience, he's not seasoned. Uh, and, and obviously through his track record, uh, personally, what I've seen and what I've read on him is, is he doesn't take, uh, what he's doing, uh, with with the importance that it should be. Well, do they have a a captain school that you're supposed to go to that teaches you those protocols? Well, the, the, you have a first line supervisor's course that you go to when you get promoted to, to corporal or sergeant, depending on the rank structure in your agency. Uh, then, when you get to the rank of a lieutenant or captain, uh, they have uh, different courses out there. I've gone to two of them. One uh, nationally well known from the Southern uh, the Southern Police Institute, the Command Officers Development Course, where that's a it's a it's a 10-week command school, you know, yeah. and, and all these things are gone over, and I'm sure if you're mentored properly and you're trained properly, uh, you know, these things come out. As a captain at 31, I mean, all I, all I can think of, and, you know, just to throw some cop terms out there, is he's a, he's, he's a golden boy. You know, he's, he, a uh, burner. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's got a good rabbi, you know, yeah. he's a, this is a guy that, you know, at captain, this is what you're hoping to make at, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, at 10 years... 
you know, that's barely enough time to say uh, I'm not a rookie anymore. You know, for for you know, usually about the five year mark is when you say you're not you're not a rookie anymore. Right. Let me give you how it works at NYPD just just quickly so you understand this. What Bill's talking about it's because it seems to me the same as that. At some point, this guy was pegged to move up, and so that became the priority, not being a cop. was um, You've got to be 21 to become an op- a police officer with NYPD. Uh, you have to do five years as an officer before you can become a sergeant. You then have to do, let's see, um, you have to do another two years as a sergeant before you can test for lieutenant, and then it's another, where is it? It's another three years. Uh, to to be a lieutenant before you can move up to captain. So he that, that means he made every test on the minimum to move up, and he didn't have any longevity points that 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 go into this cycle because you get you have to have your college credits um, that give you some points. You get um, seniority points, and he went in as if he went at zero time and grade, so to speak. He had zero points, so he was either ace in tests or, like you said, uh, he had himself a nice rabbi and he was moving up. It's probably a combination of both. And you look at it, too, some of the other requirements for NYPD is just to to test for sergeant, you have to have 64 credits. Basically, you have to have an associate's. To test for lieutenant, you have to have 96. And to test for captain, you have to have a bachelor's. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot of time in schooling involved there as well. Uh, So he's moved up real quick. I doubt he saw much time, if any, as a detective. Uh, and as he moved through the ranks, he really didn't get that that seasoning. He didn't get that experience uh, at the different command levels exactly of, right. of what he has to deal with. And the only thing that he really had going for him is that he probably had some veteran points. He did serve in the Army. Right. Uh, but it, really, that's that's not a lot. They were minimal. Bill, thank you for joining us. We're running out of time on this one. Um, I, I know you're, uh, you, you, you made some special time today, so we appreciate you joining us. Not a problem, guys. You all have a good one. You're listening to Arms Room Radio coming to you live from the Keltec Studio. Many thanks to Lieutenant Bill. We'll see you after the break. Ears. Listening to Arms Room Radio live from the Kiltech Studios. Call the Arms Room Hotline right now. 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Now more Arms Room Radio. Live coast to coast. With Mike and the guys in the Keltech Studios. The Fallen Heroes segment of Arms Room Radio is proudly brought to you by MaxLawOrlando.com. Army Specialist Antoine J. McKenzie died March 21, 2006, serving during Operation Iraqi Freedom. McKenzie, 25, of Indianapolis, was assigned to the 4th Battalion, 27th Field Artillery Regiment, 1st Armored Division, Bombholder, Germany. He was killed when his Humvee came under enemy small arms fire during combat operations in Baghdad. Specialist McKenzie was engaged by gunfire from a sniper while he was manning the machine gun on his Humvee during a patrol. It was his second tour of duty in Iraq. Mackenzie was a 2000 graduate of Indianapolis Pike High School and joined the Army after 9-11. Army Specialist Antoine J. Mackenzie, you are not forgotten.
you'd like to get a hold of Kevin and myself, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can reach us on our website. It's maxlaworlando.com. You can reach us on Mike's favorite, the Twitters, at maxlaworlando. Hit me on the Twitters. That's right. You can call us at the office, 407-480-2179. And you can reach us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash downtownattorneys. Thank you, Alec. Thank you, Kevin. And if you want to check out the old Arms Room Radio, go to facebook.com slash armsroomradio or just go to armsroomradio.com. You see us there, too, and I believe they're all linked together. You can get to uh, Max Orlando. You can get to Arms Room. You get to Arms Room Radio. You can get to our, our uh, mini sponsors and... Uh, it's, it's a it's a great time Lincoln Lincoln with it's like a like LinkedIn like they're our not, own LinkedIn yeah. yeah they're not many they're many no, they're, they're many they're many oh geez, geez. Um, <laughs> yeah. there's a legion of them uh, let's see here this one is a very interesting story Kevin this is one uh, that you and Alec uh, I'm really interested to hear your side of this um, this argument uh, there is a judge in Florida. Uh, that accused, uh, it accused a deputy of willfully violating a court order, and the deputy claims the order was a security violation. Uh, a sheriff's deputy who oversees the security at a county's juvenile courthouse was held in contempt of court after disobeying a judge's order. Record show. Kevin, what, Alec, which, whoever, what's, what's contempt of court? What, what happens here? The judge ordered you to do something. Mm-hmm. You failed to comply with that order. The order was lawful. And clear and understandable. Would it be a, a civil infraction, a misdemeanor, a felony? Where does it fall? It depends, depends on <laughs> yeah, well, depends on uh, what the judge told you to do and why the judge told you to do it and whether the judge actually witnessed it. Okay. Right. Uh, a sergeant willfully violated a valid and unambiguous court order in which she had the ability to comply, the circuit court judge wrote in a, in a judgment of contempt. Uh, according to transcripts of a March 10th hearing, the judge suggested that it was taking deputies too long to escort juvenile officer, or excuse, juvenile offenders into the courtroom one at a time. The judge ordered court deputies to bring in a group of juveniles all at once. I do want to point out for those that uh, are listening with us around the country, in Florida, they're, they're deputies. They're court deputies. They're not bailiffs here. The bailiff system went away, and they, they, these are full certified law enforcement officers. They could just as easily be working a patrol car, riding a shift somewhere else. In fact, sometimes they do. And, and, if you have a suspended license to that courthouse, yeah, you're going yeah, to jail sometimes. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, the deputy said that's not something our superiors allow us to do, uh, told the judge, claiming that it was a violation of policy. Well, the, the judge said, or excuse me, the deputy said, we have to bring them one at a time. At least two other court deputies stationed in the courtroom also failed to escort in two juveniles together, according to the judge. Short time later, the deputy supervisor entered the courtroom. Uh, the judge said, this is my courtroom, and I'm in charge of security. I want all the children now in the courtroom. And the sergeant said, that's not going to happen. Uh, any, any reason why you should not be held in contempt of court, the judge asked. And, this, and the sergeant said, it's a security violation, and I'm in charge of security, ma'am. And everything we're seeing here was, it was respectful. It wasn't, you know, on a microphone. It wasn't grandstanding. It was, ma'am, I'm in charge of security. Uh, the judge pointed out that there were three or four deputies in the courtroom to oversee the two juveniles that were aged 13 and 16 who were accused of nonviolent crimes. First off, the ages mean nothing. No. I'm... Okay? The ages mean nothing. If you're a juvenile, it doesn't matter if you're 10 or you're 16, if you've done enough to be arrested and end up in juvenile court and you're in the back and they're bringing you forward, you're not there because it's you're easy to handle. You're in yes. custody. Yes. Thank you. They, they, you may not be in shackles. Right. And I say may. 
Yep. You may not be in shackles. Judge said, I'm telling you, bring out the children. The sergeant said no. Comparing the situation to someone walking into a castle and telling a king no in front of other people, the judge found the sergeant to be in contempt of court. These refusals occurred in front of children, some charged with violating court orders, parents, defense attorneys, assistant state attorneys, and deputy clerks, the judge wrote. The sergeant's statements were calculated to lessen the authority of the court. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? I, it was calculated. I, I don't understand the dynamic that's going on here because, the, and again, I wasn't in the courtroom. I, I didn't see it happen. I can't fathom why the judge would want them all there at one time <clears throat> unless there was something she wanted to say and wanted them all to hear it simultaneously. From what I'm getting, reading through the order, uh, she put a timeline, the judge put a timeline out, and it was... Because they were bringing them one at a time, there was at one point two minutes between uh, the court addressing the juvenile. Then there was four minutes, and I think at one there was even nine minutes where the court was not addressing any of any of the juvenile defendants. So perhaps the judge's attitude on this was we're wasting time. You know, we've got a, we've got too many cases. We're, we're overloaded. Um, bring them in all at once. But as we all know from every aspect of things we do and we talk about on this program, to sacrifice security is not necessarily the answer. Well, if she'd have given a direct order to the bailiff that says tase him, he hasn't done anything dangerous. Right. I ordered you to tase him, but he's not. He's compliant with my direction. It's my courtroom. Tase him. Yeah, this comes under the heading. That's valid, unambiguous, and the ability to comply. But it also might be unlawful, unethical, or immoral. And in this case, for the deputy, it is against... That's supervisor's policy and that agency's policy to do so. So right. to them, so it, it's, it's you, illegal. It's, you well, it's not judge, illegal. It's you, against a You do what policy. the judge says. Yeah. You get fired for not following policy. Correct. Or you get written up. Or, or you know, you lose your pension. Correct. You're yeah. looking at a classic battle between the, the judiciary and the executive branch. Yeah, there you go. It's just on a minor scale here. I mean, usually it, it's battled out in Tallahassee or in Washington, D.C. or another state capital somewhere somehow. But this sounds more like there's a conflict that has been brewing about something that kind of manifested itself in this series of events. You're right. And it's, you know, whether it be a personality issue, whether it be a uh, facilities issue. I mean, this argument could be about we need a new courthouse. You know, who knows? It just could be we we need uh, more deputies. It could be, a, you know, a manning issue. But uh, there's definitely some underlying thing here. This didn't just happen. The, this wasn't just the first time. It didn't just come about because of this. I'm looking on the Orange County Clerk of, or the Orange County Ninth Judicial Circuit's website to see if there's a standing order about whether or not there is right. uh, the policies and procedures about security, and I don't see one. Uh, well, they're, they're, and I'm, I'll tell you from the law enforcement side, they're going to keep those policies uh, protected there, and they wouldn't be subject to sunshine law. They wouldn't be assumption, uh, what uh, subject to. What he's talking about is, did this court issue an order regarding security? Because right. if they issued a standard order, right. then it would be a part of the administrative rules. Well, but either either who controls the security of the courtroom? I mean, something like that might be stated in a standing right. order somewhere regarding the entire Ninth Judicial Circuit. Right. Does the deputy, the sheriff's office, control security, or does the court? Well, judge and, and, and from a practical point of view, I will tell you, I've never heard a deputy call the judge to help them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. the other thing happen. Well, it's, unless it's Brevard County, the judge just handles it by it, on his own. You just had to bring that up. No, had to bring that up. It's my understanding in uh, in the courts in Florida, the facility belongs to the state attorney's office, to the district, to the state, you know, to the state attorney's office. However, security is 
uh, as part of the the Florida's uh, administrative code and constitution, it falls to the sheriff, sheriff's chief law enforcement officer of the county. He's tasked with the jails. He's tasked with the courts. Uh, those are those are one of the things that I don't that he think is the Ninth with. Judicial Circuit hires anybody to man security. I think the sheriff's office is it's because they're charged with security. The sheriff is charged with security, just like Ninth Circuit takes more than one county. In the other county, the, the other sheriff's office takes care of it. Takes care of it. Osceola County. Um, the deputy was ordered to complete 50 hours of community service at a nonprofit organization or pay a $500 fine. Judge agreed to withhold adjudication in the case so the misdemeanor charge would not appear on the sergeant's record. The deputy involved in the situation was acting under the best protocols and practices to ensure public safety in the courtroom, her sheriff's office spokesman said. Request was not one that was normal. Usually it's one juvenile brought in at a time. Again, it's for security reasons. We'll find out We'll find out what goes on. We'll, we'll keep you updated on this. I'm sure this is not the end of it. I'm sure there'll be some consultation between the sheriff and the chief judge to see if this can't be rectified because telling the minion you're wrong for following security is wrong, and I'm not calling the sergeant a minion. Uh, but that's what the sheriff might do, yeah. You're listening to Arms Room Radio coming to you live from the Caltech Studios. We'll see you after the break. Thinking about buying an AR rifle? Maybe for hunting or home protection. There are a lot of them on the market. So why choose an arms room AR rifle? Well, one, they're made by veterans and first responders, people who know what it's like to depend on a rifle. Two, the arms room AR is made with the highest quality materials and standards. Your arms room AR may not ever be used to defend life and property, but if it comes to that, know it'll work right the first time, every time. Shop armsroom.com for their complete selection of AR rifles, pistols, parts, and accessories. That's armsroom.com, where veterans and first responders always receive 10% off ever want to accessorize your tactical rifle then you want the tactical excellence of gun tech usa gun tech a family-owned and operated manufacturer of tactical accessories for ar-15 ar-10 and ak-47 style rifles for nearly three decades gun tech usa has been producing the finest quality pistol grips rail systems scope mounts slings compensators flash hiders hand guards iron sights and more check online at guntechusa.com to see their vast selection of parts and accessories and to locate a dealer near you whether you do your own gunsmithing or you have it done when customizing your tactical rifle insist on tactical excellence insist on gun tech usa parts gun tech a proud supporter of the second amendment and friends of arms room radio check them out online today at guntechusa.com that's g-u-n-t-e-c-u-s-a.com gun tech usa defining tactical excellence for over 26 years this is no ordinary shotgun not with innovative dual tube magazines that hold a dozen 12 gauge rounds plus one in the chamber and in the one millionth of a second when innovation ignites performance the ordinary tactical shotgun became obsolete innovation performance Keltec. see the ksg in action at youtube slash Keltec weapons Hey, Mike, ready to go to lunch? No, not today. I'm going to get some trigger time in. You're going to the range? Nope. I'm going to train in the environment in which statistics say I'm most likely to have a violent encounter at work. Here in the office? Or at home. Trigger time? How can you have trigger time in the office or at home without shooting up the place? Easy. 
with my CERT SIRT training pistol from Next Level Training. Shooting paper targets at the range is good practice, but it's not the environment I'm in most of the time. With the rise in workplace violence, I vowed not to be a victim. Besides, I'm here all by myself, so why not? I have my CERT training pistol, and when practicing your draw from concealment, CERT is the safest and only way to go. CERT training pistol. I've heard about them. They look like a Glock, but they don't fire real bullets. Saves you money, huh? Yep, it sure does. How do I get mine? Log on to nextleveltraining.com slash arms room and order yours today. The safest and easiest way to train in your own environment. Get ready. Stay ready with the CERT training pistol. Go online right now to nextleveltraining.com slash arms room. Listening to Arms Room Radio live from the Kiltech Studios. Call the Arms Room Hotline right now. 407-774-8255. 407-774-8255. Now more Arms Room Radio. Live coast to coast. With Mike and the guys in the Keltech Studios. Welcome back to Arms Room Radio. Thank you. Hey, uh, we, uh, we've got a couple of legal updates we need to get to you. We promised we would give you at the top of the program. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we like to keep our word here at Arms Room Radio. Uh, we do, yeah. We, we do. Who, but what? I said we do. I said we do. Yeah, I said we like to keep our word here at Arms Room Radio. I said, yeah, we do. I'm so confused. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> per, per, perhaps you should get some more sleep at night, I'm thinking. I'm just, you know. Perhaps we should. <laughs> perhaps we should. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, out of West Virginia, uh, this one's uh, this one's uh, we're, we're right in the middle of. We talked we told you this one when it came out a couple of weeks ago that the House and Senate in West Virginia passed uh, you know permitless concealed carry, so that would be constitutional carry for concealed carry there. Now, if you are, if you're a member, excuse me, if you're a resident of West Virginia or somebody lives in West Virginia, you're not a resident, then you can carry. Or the, this law would allow you to conceal carry without a permit. Now, there's still several other states out there, most of the states, that uh, let you conceal carry. You have to have a permit. This doesn't mean the permit's going away. This just means you don't have to get one. If you're not leaving the state, there's no reason to have a permit. But if you're a guy that travels into Virginia or you know, or, or uh, Kentucky all the time for work, you should probably get it because those states need an ID. And the reciprocity, you'll have to show your concealed, your, your concealed you, carry. You're not going to be able to go, no, I live in West Virginia. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, <laughs> that won't work. Exactly right. You have to be able to show something. So they're, they're going to have them available. Um, a battle was taking place in a state looking to become the next to allow permitless concealed carry, and it looks like Governor Earl Ray Tomlin isn't going to be victorious with his recent veto of the bill. So again, Senate approves it, House approves it, goes to the governor's desk. And the governor says, I have a phone yeah. and a pen, okay, exactly right. and I'm going to be... This is my impression of Obama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, citing concerns from law enforcement, the governor made the, governor made the following statement during the veto process. Our law enforcement officers have dedicated their lives to keeping us safe and helping us in times of need, said Governor Toblin before signing the veto. Now it's time for us to return the favor and veto House Bill 4145 for the safety of our law enforcement officers and all West Virginians. Now, uh, well, you know what? Let, let me hold that thought. Let's finish this article. Immediately following the governor's veto, however, the House voted to override his decision. Then on Saturday morning, the Senate voted in favor of overriding the veto as well. Vote was 23 to 11. And the new law uh, will go into effect in 90 days. I love that. It's like, sit down and shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you had your chance, and you and you screwed the pooch. Uh, currently, it is legal for people in Virginia to open carry a firearm without a permit. However, to conceal a firearm, they needed the permit. So now, well, as a, let's see, in two and a half more months, you can conceal carry or open carry without the permit. They, in effect, have constitutional carry in West Virginia. This is the second time that Governor Toblin has vetoed the bill, the first time coming just last year. Now, just so you have an idea what's going on there, the House majority in West Virginia, Republican. The Senate majority in West Virginia, Republican. The governor's office in West Virginia, anybody want to guess? Democrat. Uh, looking for a new job. Yeah. yeah. Well, Democrat. The, the, the veto signature was, what if the gun accidentally goes yeah, off? Yeah, what if I'm on the treadmill? <laughs> what if I'm on the treadmill? Uh, the, here, here's the deal, uh, governor. Here's the deal, uh, uh, you know, a liberal law enforcement executive. People that can carry legally, whether it's with the permit, uh, or now without without the permit, uh, they're they're not they're not going to be violating the law. You don't they don't carry legally again before it was with the permit. And now they'll be legally carrying without the permit. These are the same people. They don't carry it uh, the, a firearm legally so they can go commit illegal acts. Nobody goes to the gun store, does the proper paperwork, goes through the background check. And then takes the gun and go commits the uh, you know seventeen armed robberies. It's not what, it's not it. That's not how it works. The people that commit illegal acts with firearms obtain them illegally. You know why? Because they can't legally obtain a firearm. Because they're criminals. Yeah. Listen, if you're a criminal and you're not allowed to have a firearm, this doesn't mean you get to now carry a firearm. This just means the people that legally no, no, want no, to no, carry. No. That's, what, that's what he thinks. Yes. That's what he thinks. The people that can <clears throat> that can legally own a firearm can now legally conceal it without having to go pay a tax to carry that firearm. You mean it was about money? Listen. This is America. It's not free to get the permit. Uh, It costs money to get the permit to to, to carry the firearm. Guess what? If they legally possess the firearm, at some point, they've already gone through the background check. You know, listen, maybe they didn't. Maybe... They're a person that uh, was given a a hand-me-down when a relative passed, and they have this, you know, nice antique Glock 17, you know, and uh, and they're carrying it now on 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 their body. They're not out committing illegal crimes with with legal to purchase, legal to carry guns. So, I I don't know where they come up with this. Uh, This is this is one of those things again where it's not about the firearm. it's about it's about the, the the policy. It's about the person. It's about the law, and it's about votes and it's about support and it's about lobbying and politics. It has everything it's to, politics. Exactly right. It has everything to to do with uh, politics and not the Second Amendment. Um, you know, the Second Amendment was laid down in 1789, and there's there's no disputing it. It's not about guns. It's about control. Uh, they, they, thank you. You're exactly right. Um, I bet you the governor. His uh, security detail carries concealed firearms. Mm-hmm. I bet you they do. At the rate they're going, they might not want to carry them concealed much longer. Yeah, they they well, want to have them in their hands. Perhaps step back further from the government, from the governor. Um, so good good on you, West Virginia. Good on you, uh, House and Senate, for, for doing what you did uh, and for, for standing up for the Second Amendment. Unlike, oh, I don't want to mention it, other states like Florida, where you had a couple of Republicans turn their back on the party and turn their back on the Second Amendment being anti-American, anti-constitutional, and just uh, an outright uh, piece of crap. 
you're, 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 you're well, you know, garbage and they know who they are. There's all this risk of treadmills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Florida, Florida is ridiculous. All right, uh, Idaho. We've had Florida. We have, we have news out of Idaho. Idaho Senate approves a bill on concealed carry permits, a bill that essentially makes concealed weapons permits optional in Idaho, passed the state Senate on Wednesday. Remember what we said about West Virginia. You could still go get one if you want, because there's certain states that still require you to carry concealed that have reciprocity with Idaho. Mm -hmm. And the only way to prove that is to get the permit. Mm -hmm. I don't have an Idaho permit, do I? I don't know. You you don't have an Idaho permit. I have have Utah. You have Utah. Utah. Uh, Now I don't need one. Now you don't need one. Well, well, unless you go to Utah. Uh, No, I, I don't need an Idaho. No, no, you don't. Uh, the legislation now heads to the Idaho House, and if it passes there and receives the governor's signature, it would take effect July 1st. The bill says Idahoans, age 21 or over, wouldn't need a permit to carry a concealed gun inside city limits in the state. It specifies that people who aren't legally qualified to carry a gun for reasons including mental illness, drug use, and felony convictions can not take advantage of the new law. But unlike the state's current permit system, there are no background checks to determine that. The Idaho Constitution does give us the right to regulate concealed carry, and we certainly still do that, said Senator Steve Vick of Dalton Gardens, Republican. Yes, sir. From a law enforcement perspective, mm-hmm. it's now legal to open carry if this once this gets signed. Uh, it's now legal to open carry in city limits. How does that affect the Terry stop? What would you do in that situation? Because there's no background check to see if this person can legally carry a firearm. In, a, in that sort of situation, you see someone, you see him doing some suspicious activity. You see a firearm on him, firearm on him, open carry. What would you do from a law enforcement? First off, I, I just to clarify, and I, 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 I want to go into the uh, discussion with you. This is about uh, concealed. I don't think this is this is open carry for this state. Um, it's the same question, different yes. scenario. Sorry, I'm yes. sorry. But, That's right. Both we'll concealed, go back. We'll go back to uh, concealed or open. Concealed or open. Well, let me let me go open because that was the question asked for open carry, and, and I and I return your question mm-hmm. with a question. Oh, because I know you know the answer to this, counsel. Do I know? Can I, as a law enforcement officer, randomly pull people over for driving to see if their license is valid? You're not supposed to be able to. You're not? No. You have to have a reason. Absolutely. Right, articulable have, suspic- have uh, articulable to, reason. They have to have committed an offense. They have to, uh, They have to. or I have to believe that they're committing that offense. Reasonable Correct. suspicion Correct. of criminal activity. The same applies to open carry. Terry stop. That's what he yes. said. Yes. yes. You have yes. a reasonable suspicion that Terry they may be involved in a criminal enterprise of some form. Some of the open carry states that exist now, they have it. Uh, it goes both ways. One is you must have reasonable reasonable suspicion. The other is, and there are certain states out there that have a you call it their their weapon their firearm ID card. I believe we talked to Georgia about this. They have a firearm ID card. Now I don't know if Georgia is one of these states though, um, where the officer can ask for your firearm ID card, mm-hmm. but they can't come up and ask you, I need to check your weapon. I need to check the serial number. I got to see if it's stolen. That's harassment. That's that's against the law. Um, they can no sooner do that than they could say, let me see your driver's license. And right. by the way, I need to see the serial number on your car stereo to determine if it's if it's stolen. Right. You can't do that. Right. So this is about this is about the Second Amendment. And this mm-hmm. is this is um, not about harassment. Now, if you're not carrying it in your holster, if you're carrying it in your hands, if you're walking around in a store with it, that's different. Yep. Open carry. Educated open carry should be firearm contained in the holster. And this is not about a long gun strapped on your back. This is about firearm holster contained on you. So 
Thank you. Good question. Good on you, Idaho. Hope it gets done up there for you. I want to thank Mark Walters, Armed American Radio, Armed American Radio's Daily Defense Hour for joining us. Thank Lieutenant Bill, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of uh, Arms Room Radio, for joining us. And uh, I just want to say, please, please exercise your Second Amendment rights responsibly and don't be caught dead in a gun-free zone. If you aren't ready, get ready. And if you are ready... Stay ready. We will see you next week. Maybe Earl will be here. Maybe Earl will be back. Uh, We'll talk to you later. Have a good week.